Welcome to Beautiful Church. Today we are talking with Stu G from uh, Delirious originally, the Beatitudes Project, and a number of different things. An absolute uh, wonderful experience. Wonderful experience. Uh, we enjoyed this conversation a lot. So check it out. This is Beautiful Church, a podcast where we hear about how God is putting hope and courage into his church in a time when it feels like everything else is falling apart. All right, well, we're here with Stu G. Um, Stu, uh, I met you just recently in, uh, actually in the Dominican Republic is where we met. We were on a trip yeah. with Compassion International and uh, we got to hang out and have some time and and share your story a little bit. And I was like, I got to talk to Stu G more about some of this stuff on the <laughs> podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Yes, oh, it's you. a real honor. I love uh, <laughs> any chance we get to chat about any of this. I love it. And um, it was a brilliant trip and it was great to meet you as well. And yeah, I, I, I'm still kind of buzzing about that trip. It was extraordinary. Yeah, it it really was. I uh, so so far, and we'll talk uh, more details here in a minute. But yeah, um, uh, I so I took specifically not for social media, but for my kids, took a lot of pictures of some of the families and some of the kids that we met. And uh, yeah. every every night at the end of the night during Christmas, we do Advent. You know, we do an Advent reading and pray together as a family. And so yeah, we've been that's lovely. I've been, putting different pictures of kids and families and stories that I met on the TV for all of us to pray for. Um, just because like you said, it really was a meaningful kind of impactful yes. trip in that way. And so yes. it's been sweet to kind of carry it with my family too. just hearing the stories and talking through it and whatnot has been Which really sweet. One of you or both of you tell a little bit about what y'all did. Cause I don't know that everyone knows y'all took a trip. Yeah, so that Oscavon, it connected for me, not Stu, it, that Oscavon thing, that weird little group of leaders, a fun group of leaders or whatever, uh, we were on, We one of the things that we were going to do was go on a trip with Compassion to, to uh, the Dominican Republic, and Stu and a couple others were also uh, joined us on that trip, Awesome. and so that's where that was new, he wasn't originally a part of that like little cult group that we met in uh, the Palm Springs, <laughs> cult, cult being, uh, everyone who listens to the podcast know I, I, I say that with uh, tongue in cheek, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but Stu jumped in with us, uh, and uh, it was really, it was really fun, what we got to do is see what Compassion does um, at all stages, really, and that was the yeah. amazing thing to me, was uh, um, yeah, we, we went to go see the kids that need to get sponsored. Okay. And then we went to go see the kids that are being sponsored and what impact that is having and, and some of so those ministries. Cool. And then we got to hear from kids, adults who were sponsored wow. and how their lives were changed by people sponsoring them and, and, and the impact that it's had on That's them. That's really unique. Yeah, it was really sweet. Which, Stu, you've been involved with this ministry, correct? Like, tell yeah. us a little bit about your involvement with it. With compassion. So I tour currently with Michael W. Smith, have done f since Delirious finished, actually. So almost 13 years now. Wow. And yeah, and so uh, Michael has had a long history with compassion. And him and Amy, uh, we're on tour with him and Amy Grant right now for their Christmas tour. And compassion are a part of collaborating with them on, on the tour. And I think over the years that they've been associated with compassion over over a hundred thousand kids have been sponsored through uh, their concerts awesome. wow. and yeah, it's pretty spectacular, but um, yeah. So I get a chance to uh, jump up, uh, like put my guitar down, go to the front and just kind of 
um, talk about the work of compassion. And um, so I've been doing that a little bit more recently. And so uh, Jason Teagle uh, from Oscar Vaughn and Spence from Compassion, they invited me onto this trip um, because the child that my wife and I sponsor is in the Dominican Republic. And oh, we had a chance to uh, meet, meet little Miguel and his family um, on that trip. And it was fantastic. And, uh, but also just meeting other folks that were a part of that trip. Uh, I mean, I get a chance to do this podcast, for instance, with you, Zach. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've got some good friendships developing with some of the other folks from there. So, um, yeah, it was really good. But I think the it's one thing like presenting and talking about it, but I think you re- it, it's really important to go and actually see the work um, yeah. yourself, especially if you're talking about it. And I was blown away by yeah. the, I mean, number one, I was blown away that everything is done through a local church. Yes. Um, that they, I, and I actually think that they're the only organization left that is doing that. It's right. solely through the local church. That was a really big point to me too, because yeah. uh, it, it, how it empowers the people that live there to minister to their people. That's right. Was really was really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And then to see how, so the programs that the church run uh, provide food, uh, you know, a, a nutritious meal every day. They provide education and, and like we all know that education actually helps people out of extreme poverty. Right. Um, and not just the children themselves, but the their families. Like I saw how that works, which is amazing. And yeah, and then obviously the spiritual side of it, because it's a church. Um, I know that last year, uh, it sounds like I'm doing a pitch now, but you know, <laughs> la- last year. Probably because you're just used to doing a pitch. <laughs> <laughs> last year, uh, 56,000, it's estimated 56,000 children came to know and follow Jesus. Wow. Through the local churches that uh, th- through compassion. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, it's it, incredible. It, it's really sweet. So, well, one of the places we went, I think uh, it was the first day that we went out. Uh, we went to this uh, church and they serve like 430, something like that, kids That's every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it, it's small. It's just like it was almost kind of is a little bit bigger than a normal house. You know, like in a lot of places we were just crammed in there and the kids are all there. But they had an upstairs that uh, was completely unfinished. And I was a little nervous they had us all walk up there i was like this doesn't necessarily even feel safe because there's just like (laughs) half bricks on different places and we're just kind of standing up there the pastor's telling us the story um of what he envisions you know to see this whole church finished and it'd be this huge place so we all went to dinner that night i was sitting next to Stu, and he's telling me about um something we'll talk about here in a second and uh, one of the guys gets up and just goes you know what they only need x amount of dollars and uh, money goes a long way in the Dominican and uh, around the table, this, you know, probably 30 people around the table, everybody just goes, we're going to pledge this and I'm going to pledge this. And at the end of like five minutes later, we had the money pledged to That's be amazing. able to build this church and finish it to be able to help these kids. And it was just sweet not to just see it, but also just really kind of be a part of it. It was a really beautiful thing. Mm. That's so amazing. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, What's that's impacted you with because is this your first time 
doing a trip like this with compassion? It's the first time with compassion over the years with delirious and, and, and other things I've got to uh, go and be a part of work, uh, nonprofit work in India and uh, in Asia. And so it, it's not the first time I've seen extreme poverty, but yeah. um, I loved the element that uh, this is all done through the local church. And then I, uh, one of the people that we met that had come through the program, his name is Jonathan. He uh, now runs the whole program. He's responsible for 65,000 kids in Dominican. And he was sponsored as a child through a Michael W. Smith concert. So, yeah, it's amazing. So I took a photo and sent it to Michael and, you know, Michael was just so thrilled. But, um, yeah, it's incredible. And and Compassion helped him as a child through schooling and to get his first degree. And then he got like a master's degree in software engineering. And then he's, he's just finishing up a Ph.D. in business management and he, yeah, he runs the whole compassion program. Yeah. Incredible. It it really was like you get to, I'll, I'll, I'll confess. Um, I tend to be very cynical about most things. Um, I'm just one of those people. I (laughs) I just, I, maybe it's because I've grown up in church and in ministry. I just, whenever something feels too good to be true, I'm like, I don't know, maybe, I don't Compassion sounds cool. Are they just one of those organizations that like, mostly just takes in donations, but like a lot of it doesn't really go anywhere. But I, I really had a, like, I really had a complete 180 in my heart towards what compassion does having seen it on the ground. It's stories like the one that you just told, like, yeah, I talked to so many adults on that trip just that shared with us and that were just around that were like, no, this changed my life. And it was because somebody sponsored me when I was five years old. Yeah. It was beautiful. So go sponsor a kid. So go sponsor a kid. I'll throw a little <laughs> yeah. link on here and a link in the show notes. If you want to sponsor a kid, it doesn't take much. It's Christmas, end of the year giving. Go do yes. that. Um, so, Stu, you yeah. are uh, a part of something. I don't like to say in the Christian world legendary because, I mean, we do this for Jesus. But but, right. some, but at the same time, I was telling Julia. Julia and I have this ongoing joke. Um, that she's because she's a lot younger than me and I'm getting a lot older. I'm like 41. Yeah. And she's like, you know, 19 or something. No. I'm just kidding. That's great. <laughs> well, I always make a reference like we were setting up and I was like, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. She's like, I have no idea where that's from. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting old. Um, but, uh, but, but she was asking me, she was like, because I don't remember Delirious. She was like, what, where, where did they start? And I was like, actually, don't know. I just know that when I was 18, I or no, when I was like 16, um, I started singing. Uh, we started singing. Did you feel the mountains tremble in church? And yeah. it was a very meaningful, impactful song for me as a kid, just in worship service. I just yeah. there was something about singing. Open up the doors that I was like, oh, he could really open up the doors right now. Like it. Yeah my heart to fly which, in which to be fair i didn't know the song i just didn't know where the song came <laughs> yeah from. <laughs> yeah no that's but, right but mm-hmm. just just for fun just here uh here in, yeah. in this part how did how did that come together like how did delirious start where i because i actually don't know the the genesis story yeah so on the south coast of england a town called little hampton there's a church there and uh, a couple of the guys that ended up in delirious were running a youth event um, for kids, their youth worship event. And the idea with it was we're going to use music that we enjoy listening to. And, um, yeah, so 
Martin was one of those who he was leading worship there. Uh, Tim, the keyboard player, his wife, Becca, was kind of like a uh, youth leader, along with Stu Smith, who, ended, who was the drummer of Delirious. And they were the youth workers in the church. And so they kind of like organized this worship time, a worship event once a month, started with 70 kids in a drama hall of a school. And, and pretty early on, I got invited down. Uh, I was living in the East Midlands at the time, but I got invited down to go and play guitar with them at one of these events. And, you know, the it was pretty extraordinary what was happening. So Martin was writing these songs, you know, like, uh, thank you for saving me. Lord, you have my heart uh, in the very beginning. And um, the there was a, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how to say it other than like the spirit was moving, you know, uh, and... Yeah the 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 size of like started with 70 kids but that was pretty much doubling every month and and wow. uh we would go down there and and i remember when martin wrote did you feel the mountains tremble by this time we were in a sports hall because there was maybe i don't know best part of a thousand people coming and we that's the only song we sang all night like wow. so wow you know yeah like it wow. went on for about 45 50 minutes you know and it really was that that kind of you know what you were saying about open up the doors and let the music play right and uh, uh, let the streets resound with singing like there was yeah. a real kind of hunger for hunger for jesus and worship but we were trying to encourage everyone to not keep it to within the four walls of the church yes, and, yeah. and to take it to our workplaces, colleges, our homes, you know, wherever our friendships and experience it outside the walls of the church as well. Wow. And uh, so it wasn't long, you know, we, we'd start to write songs like history maker and, and things like that. And it, and we had this kind of moment of like, well, like we're encouraging all these, uh, people that are coming to the events it was called cutting edge by then and yeah. uh, we, we used to release these six song cassettes called cutting edge tapes yes yeah and uh, that a lot of those early songs were on you know and but we were kind of saying like what does that mean for us to open up the doors and let the music play you know and we literally were becoming a band and um you know we'd be invited to go and lead worship around the country you know these little tapes were just kind of like weaving their way you know up the highways and byways of the uk and um eventually beyond and and people wanted us to go and lead worship at their their events mm. and uh something was happening in the uk at the time and it was all it was really based around unity and yeah. so there'd be these citywide events with all these churches coming together uh, to put on this event, you know, and, uh, and and we'd go and lead and we'd do songs and we'd, you know, encourage people uh, to take this and, and take it out to your, to your workplaces, colleges, homes. And uh, we were like, what does that mean for us? And so uh, in the end, we, we kind of decided, oh, we, we need to get our music alongside what's out on the high street and what we're hearing on the radio. Um, and we'd written a song called Louder Than The Radio, you know, by this time. And so we started to release singles into the pop chart and we've, we became delirious. We decided to go full time and we had a, a 
publishing company called Curious Music. And, <laughs> uh, and that, that was the first thing. And then uh, the, uh, and we didn't realize that by making these cassettes and selling them uh, at the back of the hall or, and putting them into mailbags and posting them out, you know, we were starting a record label and we ended up calling that Furious Records. <laughs> and uh, and so when we were trying to come up with a name for the band, uh, we wanted a, a name that kind of, you know, coincided with Curious and Furious and, you know, Delirious was, uh, <laughs> came up. And, you know, we, we had the question mark after each one of those names. And yeah. I think that uh, when we started to release music into the in, into the radio and, and, and high street, and uh, you know people could buy our records in HMV and Tower Records and the and Virgin Record stores and things like that, because uh, you know you could still buy cassettes and CDs at the time. You know, it's right. like that that was still a thing. You know, people were saying, "So what? You know, are you a worship band or a rock band or a pop band? Like, what are you?" and, and and we just kept the question mark there, you know. Uh, I like yeah. that because yeah. the answer is yes to to all of it, you to know. All of those, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, we we very much had this. So there was this kind of feeling of unity going on, like people were like singing with one voice, and and you know, when you're got a massive gathering together, citywide gathering, and everyone's kind of feeling like one you know, and, and worshiping as one, it kind of spills over into, in, into your life and, and how you live and what you do, you know? And so, um, yeah, it was, a, it, it was really special times. And, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know why, uh, God chose us for that moment, but, um, right. you know, I, I think we were just willing to say yes, you know? Yeah. I love that. How how have you seen, I mean, you shared some of that. It was kind of in some ways like it, the Lord really was doing something that you guys got to be a part of that turned into something that was very impactful to my life and many other people's lives. But uh, what, what what are some of the other things that you see God do in turn or how God moved during that time? Yeah. So that what what it felt like was that we were riding a little wave, right? Yeah. And um, it eventually kind of, didn't just stay in the UK, but, you know, yeah. came overseas and into Europe and, and, and America. And I think that how we saw God move was in little pockets, in, in yeah. moments. Uh, like, you know, I don't want to be cheesy, but it like felt like revival uh-huh. in, in pockets. Like It wasn't like yeah. a, a universal revival where everyone's becoming Christians and getting healed right. and stuff like that. But we definitely saw some moments like that, you know. Um, yeah. We saw a um, there, there was a moment where a lady got up up out of a wheelchair while we were singing one night, and and obviously it's not not our singing, but you know it's just the 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 environment and the moment and the move and the move of God, you know, and um, I think you know we 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 still talk about moments like that because, but I, I think there was a naivety to it as well. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, if I was to say how did we see God move, I think we saw through gatherings and worship events like there was a unity there was a working together yeah. like where people would put the, like what what united folks was greater than what divided them you know and and yes. it, and um i think that something i talk about is, is about being the path of least resistance you know i was an electrician back in the day like when i first left school and so you know understanding that kind of language of you know when you say yes to god it's like 
well, you know, God's going to use the people who are available and uh, and that are the path of least resistance, you know, and and yeah. so uh, it, it, that that we saw moments and pockets like this all over the UK and then all over Europe and then in America as well. Wow. Uh, when one of the things, I mean, on the theme of even compassion, uh, you guys did a compassion. Was it a compassion album called Compassion Album, or it was uh, a, uh, like a series uh, of songs where you guys were helping kids and different things? Well, yeah, yeah towards the end of of Delirious, um, like we we'd been to India and that really impacted us. Was, yeah, you know, I think you leave those you leave those moments when you, when, when you experience that and you see that first time, I mean, you can't unsee some of that stuff. Right. Yeah. And it, it leaves you with that. The, the big question, like, what, do, what do I do with that? Right. You know, am I supposed to kind of sell up and give everything to the poor or, you know, what, right. what, what's my contribution, you know? Yeah. And so really Martin spearheaded this and he wanted to gather 12 songwriters from, the Christian music world, and we all hold up in Scotland. Uh, our, our friend, a friend had a, uh, who's a psychologist, had a, a big retreat center, and we went up there and um, and we wrote songs together. So it's people like Michael W was there, and um, Matt Redman, Tim Hughes, um, yeah. you know, a, whole, a whole bunch of folks. Paul Balosh, Darlene Check was there. It, it caused a few waves in the industry because we were trying to work a way where all the money all the royalties that were made from this record went to charity you know went yeah. to help and so compassion art it was called compassion art and uh um it wasn't actually to do with compassion it just had to uh, use the same word the <laughs> yeah uh, so it. i think that was a little bit confusing but um yeah that we managed to figure that out or martin managed to figure that out with um some people that are cleverer than us and the the the, the record labels and publishing companies were very helpful at the time, even though it was very difficult for them to get their head around it. And I don't know that anything like that will ever happen again now, but uh, right. it, I think it caused too, too many headaches, but uh, it was an extraordinary little movement for a, for a number of years. Yeah. And a lot of money was raised and went wow. to, um, uh, so my part of it. So uh, I was involved with a, orphanage just outside of Hyderabad in India where they housed orphans that were AIDS orphans so their parents had died of AIDS and their uh, and all the children were HIV positive so wow. you can imagine like in a My goodness in a, in a place where it's like extreme poverty where yeah. there's that kind of situation going on as well like it's really important to have clean water for to take their antiretroviral drugs, right, uh, and and stuff like that. So, um, you know, my wife and I were involved in like funneling our part of the um, the the royalties to that organization. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. that's that's amazing. India is a country that's always been on my heart for that very reason. Um, just yeah. uh, I have not been, but uh, just growing up hearing the stories, it's just, mm. uh, I can't imagine seeing it. I, you know, I, I felt that yeah. way in the Dominican Republic, even just a couple of weeks yes. ago. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. When we walked into some of those homes, I had yep. tears in my eyes, just yep. like, oh my gosh, I, yep. you, you, like you said, you can't unsee this. Like, yeah, and, no, that's um, right. Yeah. You know, we, uh, when I went to visit Miguel and his uh, mother and siblings, yeah. Um, his father was actually actually out at work um, 
picking up some work on a farm and uh yeah it was um it was i mean so challenging you know they don't have running water in their house the house is kind of you know mud floors and tin walls yeah. and roof yeah. and uh they actually do not have a a functioning toilet yeah uh, they have this kind of concrete pad thing and yeah so it's shocking you know yeah and so yeah. uh but the the encouraging thing is through compassion um because of one child being sponsored you know they they help the family as yeah. well so so we're we're helping them kind of get some things sorted out there i you've been in the worship music industry for a really long time how many yeah. years has it been now uh well so i was a worship pastor in a church for a number of years um and then uh so from like 86 to 92 and then we moved to the south coast around 93 94. uh so anyway since 1986 i've been involved in uh worship Just music a couple years yeah longer than i've been alive <laughs> <laughs> what would you say is like i mean you've seen worship impact so many people like what would you say like how has it impacted the church like how is the church transformed as like the worship movement i feel like has almost like arisen and found its voice or finding its voice throughout the past few decades so i think one of the main things that influenced us um we loved the the vineyard movement and what was happening w through their sort of worship and then uh we were really inspired by a worship leader called kevin prosh and he you probably know, don't you, Zach, or know, yes, know yeah. of him. Uh -huh. And yeah. so he, um, like back in the day, I, I had the opportunity to tour with him over in Europe um, in the early 90s. And uh, the, the thing with him, what how he inspired Delirious was he kind of gave us permission to explore the music that we really wanted to. He, like He always used yes. to say to me, Stu, God loves your tone like yeah. chase chase tone down chase it yeah. down like there's no reason that you 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 couldn't sound like your your biggest inspiration out in the world you know yeah and uh and kind so of breaking i think that like maranatha integrity yeah. kind of sound and just like actually having some artistic expression exactly yeah, yeah exactly so i think that that's one thing that we've seen um happen and it didn't just come through us you know there, there was lots happening uh the whole soul survivor movement and the the new wine movement in the uk you know a lot of stuff came out of that and um i think that at that time you know we were kind of, we were definitely pushing boundaries musically but um we didn't we weren't we sorry we had our own label right so we didn't have a and r people telling us that we couldn't do something right so we which is uh, beautiful yeah so uh we uh we literally we had this phrase uh taking it wherever it goes and so yeah. <laughs> if, if we felt like the holy spirit was saying something we would you know we, we would just Take go off in goes. that direction yeah so uh, and and try that so but i think you know our contribution was uh musically um to explore the sonics and the the tones and um and see but I, and i think you know one thing with martin's lyrics uh at the time they they were we we were quite naive and uh, and on, there's like an honesty and a naivety to uh -huh. some of those lyrics we didn't know what we were doing in some ways so right. um you know we were learning how to write songs and we were on a journey and you know so perhaps some of those things aren't very polished or 
or or produced you know yeah so there's still a lot of life in yeah. that in in that sort of organic natural uh-huh. naivety that's uh, that well it's interesting because i would say that i think that's what for me in the 90s that was the spark for me uh it was yeah. kevin prosh actually and uh-huh. uh, you guys as well but was uh, how kevin it was so raw a uh, mm-hmm. relentless mercy you know uh yeah that album uh, i still listen to that album today just because uh it, before yeah. like when i'm sermon prepping or something because he's there's there's something about like you're saying the naivete there's not a intentionality to produce something to yeah to achieve something it's just mm-hmm. this is it and and that alone is just something beautiful i think about a, a lot of the stuff that you guys have been a part of and done i have to say one of my favorite moments at my church in new york was um the, there was this moment in the middle of a sermon i got done i felt like i didn't i didn't really give a lot of altar calls but i felt like maybe something should happen in this moment i just paused before the lord and uh this guy in my church it was a really powerful moment he started singing majesty okay and uh and majesty is a song you 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 helped write correct yeah that's correct yeah yeah and uh, and it was just this powerful moment. He just started singing majesty, and then the whole congregation started singing majesty. And we were there wow. for probably 15, 20 minutes just singing that song over and over and wow. over again. Wow. It was amazing how the Lord met us there in that time. But That's amazing. just cool cool, and uh, to to know that you had a part in uh, writing that song, but also that yeah. just also cool and how, like you said, these little pockets, how that impacts so many different moments that you know or don't know about. Yeah. Um, I think it's really sweet. Yeah, One crazy. thing that is really uh, big on my heart that I teach on and talk on a lot is uh, the Sermon on the Mount. It's, yes. uh, I talk about it a lot. I, I talk about it a lot. Julia is in my friendship group where uh, we yeah. just go through the Sermon on the Mount on Tuesday nights with a bunch of people in my living yeah. room. Brilliant. And uh, and you have this thing that uh, that this is what you were telling me about in Oscar, uh, not Oscar Vaughn, but yeah. in the Dominican. Um, yes. Is you have a thing called the Beatitudes Project, which is yes. – Phenomenal. I would love for you to share a little bit about that because uh, I think you and I are on the same wave- wavelength with it. And I yeah. think it's beautiful. And your dog just walked in. Yes, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, he, he appears in a lot of my videos when I'm like doing little tutorials or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Yeah, I forgot Char- to shut the door. There he Tell goes. Tell Charlie what's up for us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, That's so great. I love the Sermon on the Mount, over the years, the Beatitudes kind of came into focus to me. And I had this kind of hunch, this sort of belief that Jesus is inviting us into a way of living through the Beatitudes, through these announcements of where God is, uh, to a way of like really making a difference, you know, to really join with God in the renewal and restoration of all things. Yeah, I mean, I could talk for hours about this, but uh, <laughs> the, I, um, the, the big kind of idea in the Beatitudes Project is about the blessing, actually. So, you know, it says, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, you know, and in Luke, it just says, blessed are the poor, right? And so right. we've seen just a few weeks ago, seen extremely poor people. And you think, well, how can this be blessed? You know, how can someone who's lost the 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 person most dear to them like how can they be blessed how how can those who are hungry for um righteousness and justice like how uh, like where that is missing like how can they be blessed and 
there's lots of you know official kind of um, theological and uh, academic you know reasons uh, what uh, <laughs> explanations of what blessing is we we brought it down to this that the blessing is presence like the blessing is the divine presence of God with us and if the blessing is presence then so is the invitation like the invitation wow. is to be present right yeah. so uh, am I present to my own poverty of spirit like um if you're prone to depression or um if you reach the bottom of an addiction like like that 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 those feelings where you feel like you've got nothing left um the announcement is that you are blessed god is on your side like god is with you like he doesn't necessarily give us a a ladder or a quick fix he doesn't say like i just jump out of your hole you know it's going to be fine it's he climbs down with us and so his presence is with us and and so i i i wanted to explore the idea of blessing being presence and so how it worked out for me um was i was thinking about this for a long time and i would say to the guys you know like in delirious you know maybe we could do a project based around the beatitudes and obviously at that time i just thought it would be music i thought it'd be yeah. a bunch of songs um and uh and and then you know we we finished delirious finished and yeah. that threw me into like an upside down space right yeah like transitional like something had ended and something hadn't quite begun and in that moment you know you're kind of like trying to do your best and some of the decisions you make aren't good ones and you know it, it, stuff like that and but what i felt was that god was wasn't very far away in any of that um and so this idea of the uh, 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 of the blessing being presence kind of came around and then i just started to meet folks who somehow embodied something of the uh the beatitudes so like i said we were in india and i ended up yeah, going back to india and and spending more time with the extremely poor and but with the idea of the blessing you know blessed are the poor blessed are the poor in spirit you know they're, they're with the idea of uh pushing into like looking at where god is like yeah he and 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 he is that's a question that a lot of people ask like where is god right yeah. well jesus tells us he's with the poor in spirit he's with those who are mourning he's with the meek and those whose presence is ignored you know he's with those who are hungry and thirsty for justice and righteousness like i i went on my journey of pushing in to seeing where god is and i met some extraordinary people you know the the extremely poor in india um i had a conversation with a guy who was a multi multi-millionaire uh worked in hedge fund stuff on wall street and i had a conversation with him like what does poverty of spirit look like to you and he talked about addiction and he talked about um you know a, a drug addiction but also the addiction of money and yeah. uh, and making more money and and i said well what you know what have you done about that and he said well actually i've started a non-profit well it actually is a for-profit company I, I, I don't know he started a thing called every table which is yeah. like looking at where there are food deserts in mm. the united states uh where people can't get a nutritious meal um or it's too expensive and so he started this place where people can buy a nutritious meal for the same price as a McDonald's. And wow. um, uh, anyway, 
So that's uh, that, that's that's one kind of story. I met a woman who'd been in prison, um, actually on death row. She'd been in prison for twenty seven years and on death row for twenty four of those. Um, wow. And um, she had her sentence commuted to a life sentence with the possibility of parole. And when I met her, she was actually out on parole. And um, I sat with her and Amy Grant and we, we had lunch together and listened to her story. And, you know, what does mercy look like to someone who is on, has received the death penalty, you know, and, um, and women at this organization called Thistle Farms here in Nashville, they're all survivors of prostitution, addiction, trafficking, um, multiple convictions for the lives that they've led and they now have the largest non-profit like social company and uh it's all run by survivors of of prostitution addiction trafficking and uh you know they make they make goods for the home um cosmetics and and candles and all all that kind of stuff but they 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 find women who are in prison or, you know, that, that want to get their life back together. And they, 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 they give them a, almost like a rehab type treatment for a couple of years called the Magdalene program. And, um, and then give them a job at the end of it, you know, and it's, it's extraordinary. And that's what mercy looks like, like the, the compassion in action from the womb of God, actually. So yes, um, the, the word, the Hebrew word that we get, mercy from has this little th- root three letter root word that means womb and yeah. um and so uh i don't know i had a i, I met a rabbi I actually met him in india um <laughs> and um uh, he's an american guy and um yeah he he was he became a bit of a mentor on the beatitudes project for me and uh he explained that kind of stuff to me so yeah that there, there are certain uh people that I met along the way and I kind of tell their stories and we, we wrote a book and, and, um, a made a film and made some study materials and a record, uh, John Mark McMillan, Matt Maher, uh, Hillsong United, Amanda Cook, um, and, and others, Michael and Amy, they all came and helped me, um, make a record, um, all based around the Beatitudes. So that's the Beatitudes project. Um, we, finish the project we, we start it with what does it mean to listen what does it mean to listen like the people on the hillside listened two thousand years ago and then we go through each beatitude and then we finish with so i'm sitting on the hillside overlooking the sea of galilee the mount of the beatitudes and we've come through this whole learning of what the beatitudes might look like in the 21st century but what does it look like now what's the view from here and yeah. uh so it's it, it, the next thing that I would love to do is really look at what does it mean to be transformed? What does it mean to embody the things that we've learned from the Sermon on the Mount and from the Beatitudes in particular yeah. and yeah. live a life that's kind of uh, formed by those things. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of a, a real passion project for me. I believe that um, that in the Beatitudes and in the Sermon on the Mount, we find uh, the answers to the questions that we have nowadays about, you know, the world is so divided with, you yeah. know, the right and the left, conservative, progressive, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. 
you know, masks, no masks, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, don't want to open up a can of worms, but, um, uh, you know, how do we live in such a way that we can kind of live by the kingdom of heaven and not by a political party, you know? I, so, I like, I like how centering that is. Cause, um, I've always been, uh, you know, annoyingly probably so to some of my friends on either side of the, you know, those, those things. I've always been a third, I call it a third way guy. Yeah. Um, I've always been a, I'm not, the Bible isn't right or left. It's, yeah. it's different. <laughs> right. a, it, it's, it's all, it's Jesus. It's a different yes. way. Yes. And, uh, and I like how the beatitude centers us in that way in that, yes. like, um, that, that, I can, I, I don't know the answer to your mask, no mask question, and I don't yes. need to have an answer, but I do know the answer to how I need to carry myself in this process yeah. Yes, and how I carry myself in coming to a decision on what I'm going to do for my family. I'm going to do that being poor in spirit. I'm going yeah. to do that yes. by, you know, being hunger, hungry and thirsting for righteousness. I'm going to yes. do that with meekness. Yes. I'm going to do that by being a peacemaker. Hello. Yes. Can you imagine so the, the need for people to make peace yes. uh, yeah. in this time? So exactly. Um, is, funnily uh, enough, oh, not funnily enough. Um, interestingly enough, the Peacemakers chapter in the film and in the book and everything about it is based in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Wow. And um, I went over there and spent time in uh, Israel and spent time in the West Bank um, I couldn't go into Gaza at the time, but we went down to the Gaza border and met this amazing woman called Roni Kaida, who's an Israeli farmer. And she goes down, uh, what previous to what's just been happening uh, yeah. since October 7th, but takes people from Gaza that need medical treatment to the hospitals wow. in Israel wow. and, um, and spends time with them and her, whole idea with that is to put a human face on suffering and put a human face on people who perhaps are her adversary yeah. you know she um previously in rocket attacks had lost uh workers that are like family to her on on her farm and um, i've been in touch with her since and she's um i mean it's it it's so shocking what happened and wow. yeah they um her family are okay, but they lost 15 of their neighbors on, uh, October 7th. My goodness. You know, so, um, like every, everything in her is, uh, is being shaken right now. Right. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting what you said about, um, the presence of God, because it, and actually it's really interesting that you're talking about the presence of God in the Beatitudes and us being present to God and present to these yes. things mm-hmm. um, as a worship guy, because, uh, yeah. and, and uh, because worship is tends to be where we categorize right now, kind of in this latest iteration, the presence of God, does your church yeah. have the presence of God? Well, right. is the worship really good? Are there, you know, the swells and the and yeah. the space that's made in the song? It, uh-huh. That means that this place has the presence of God. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had to uh, help somebody the other day because I, I I am big on that. I think that that's important. I want to make space for God to move and speak. And yes, um, you know, I tend towards more charismatic environments, but at the same time, I've always kind of tried to help people understand that it, the presence of God is more like, better said, the presentness of God. 
Mm-hmm. And it's God being present. It's not necessarily an emotion. It's not necessarily a feeling. You might feel something. Yeah. But it's the pres- presentness of God. Mm-hmm. And take and our goal, hopefully, all of us, and I love that you guys, you said this about uh, cutting edge, you know, um, the goal is to then take that presence yeah. out of those four walls and to the people yeah. that are in need of it. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I, I just love that that's so big a part of how you're carrying the Sermon on the Mount, because I think that's a yes. really nice synergy. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, to be to become carriers of the divine presence. One thing I, I had started to read some Jewish material, uh, some kind of academic stuff, and I'd come across this uh, rabbi teacher called Abraham Joshua Heschel. Heschel. Yeah. yeah. I read a lot of Heschel. Yeah. When you're talking about the presence, like, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole, but he would say, you know, there's not a, there's not a secular molecule in the universe, right? So, yeah. like, God is everywhere. Yeah. And it's almost like we're showing up, right? Yeah. To yeah. that and uh, being aware that God is there. So uh, one thing he talked about was Moses at the burning bush. You know, it's probably not unusual that he'd seen fires, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was something different, and he made the the uh, the decision to explore and um, and to be present in that moment. And so Heschel would say that we meet God in time mm. and not in the created space. So we, uh, which is why things for. Uh, for him, like Sabbath is so important um, yeah. because you meet God in time and time that you put aside, right? Yeah. And, and and you push in and you explore and you meet God in that time. And for us, it might be, you know, Eucharist or communion. You know, we, we, we meet God in times. And so uh, that is something that I, I kind of like carry that with me that yeah. it's in the in moments that we meet God and it's not that you know that in front of that bush with Moses you know God said take off your shoes this is holy ground yeah. it's like all ground is holy and yeah. we can meet God at our burning bush anywhere yeah. yeah i think kind of going back a little bit to your presence thing i i grew up in a very charismatic type yep. church setting and it's really interesting to hear cuz you kind of have your like big moments and the call to actions and I was always like you know people were like you just gotta touch the presence of God you just gotta like do this thing and I'd be like what does that even mean yeah what does that even look like like yeah yeah. and and something I love I love that you're doing the Beatitude Project because what I've learned after you know four years of Bible school and is that the Beatitudes are the answer to so much of that of the the poor in spirit yeah, and yeah. being blessed are those who mourn blessed are those who are meek blessed are you know the peacemakers and the pure in heart and that you beginning at chapter 5 3 of matthew and going uh-huh. god if i acknowledge my weakness if i acknowledge that i can't do this on my own if i actually acknowledge that you are really here with me and yes. that you haven't left us and that you've given us the holy spirit there is a blessing that comes with us and you are more committed to the process of us loving you and being like you and loving your people than even I am. And there's so much liberation 
because it goes, okay, me figuring out how to host the presence in the perfect way or how to host the perfect worship moment or whatever it may be that, you know, we've all experienced in ministry. It's like at the end of the day, it's like I get to sit before the Beatitudes again and it gets to yeah. examine my life because mm -hmm. I know that Jesus walked it perfectly and he's going to help me walk it perfectly. Yeah. And because the other thing that's so intimidating is where is that verse? It's um, be holy for I am holy. Yeah. Yes. He's always like, what the, f what is that? Yeah. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, how do I do that? And he goes, I know. okay, be so poor in spirit. Yeah. It's interesting that you should say that. So that's Leviticus yeah. 19, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, be holy for I am holy. And then, and then this is how you do it by obeying all these commandments right uh one of the things i learned from my rabbi friend is that the sermon on the mount if you read the sermon on the mount and leviticus 19 you're going to see some huge parallels yeah. and uh, it, it's extraordinary like if you if you read it with that thought yeah. um it's 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 really amazing and so a lot of scholars would say that what jesus is doing in the sermon on the mount is is saying this is a complete paraphrase, but you, you've heard it said, be holy for I'm holy, and this is how you do it. Right. Right. And it's, it's kind of, a lot of people talk about Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount being like a new Moses with a new Exodus, you know? Yes. And, yeah. uh, um, and I would fall into that camp um, yeah. for sure. I think that, it, it, except he's not saying you must be poor in spirit to receive a blessing. Right. He's saying the poor in spirit are blessed. Right. And he, he's kind of stating what it, it what is already. <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's not like an the, ultimatum. No, no. Um, in fact, the only commandment that is in that section is when you're persecuted, you know, leap for joy, right. <laughs> rejoice, you know, right. uh, uh, that was a hard one to do sometimes. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I think that, you know, the it's an invitation to an upside down life, right? Where we're kind of uh it's it it's countercultural, it's subversive, because he's not saying if you sell the most number of records, I'm talking to myself now, right? If your book is really successful, then you're gonna be blessed. If you're it, yeah. it, you know, that's not what he's saying. And that's a hard message. As a hard message for a lot of people and so yeah. the idea is that we're actually swimming upstream against the culture <laughs> of success and power mm -hmm. and we're living uh, we, we're attempting to we're hungry and thirsty for a different way right and um and that desire is blessed but don't be surprised if along the way you're not going to get a pushback and i think that's the um, I mean, it literally was persecution for the people listening to Jesus at the time, yeah. you know, but I think, and, and it is literally persecution for a lot of Christians on the planet right now, um, you know, where you could end up in jail or you could end up losing your life. Uh, yeah. But for us in the West, um, where we're not going to get put in jail for reading our Bibles or having a church meeting, um, I think it is, it, it's not being hungry f to be persecuted. It's like, Am I living in such a way where perhaps, um, you know, I will face a pushback every now and then? Yeah, that's the way I've always been provoked by that is yeah. kind of almost asking the question, why aren't I persecuted? You know, and, and because it kind of helps me assess what you're saying. Like, am I living in a way that is countercultural enough? Yeah. 
and Jesus enough that, you know, it's a hard uh, question to ask. Yeah. Like, a, a, am I, am I really, you know, not, not taking a stand. And I think this is funny. And the sermon on the Mount cleans this up too, is, <clears throat> you know, especially during the pandemic and some of those times, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the word, I learned the word, I didn't know it was a word, but now it's a word, virtue signaling happened where, you know, if you post about something on, if you say something about something, you therefore have done something. And, you know, whenever uh, there's a tragedy in a specific country or a specific place, you know, you have to change your profile picture to the flag of that country or, yes. you know, pray yes. for X, Y, and Z. And if you don't post that, like, people are wondering, why, so are you okay with what happened over there? You know, like, it's... They kind of it's, back you in a corner. It's kind of one of those things, but, it, you know, ultimately, yeah. socially, if we actually think about it, it's very silly because it, we're not actually doing anything. And the real thing that matters in terms of us doing something is are we loving people? Are yeah. we poor in spirit? And are we making peace in the people around us? And are we, are we what, being merciful? Yeah, what mm-hmm. are we actually doing? And that is actually the thing that, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, I feel like, cleans up for us in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I was opening up uh, my Bible to Isaiah 49. I just want to read it because it's, it's yeah. kind of where <clears throat> the, uh, the verse compassion and womb um, talks about. I, okay. I just love this verse. Uh, it's Isaiah 49, verse 15. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child that, and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. But what I love about that is that's where that um, I first also discovered kind of that word compassion meant womb. Okay. And it was a, a feminine attribute of God, in, mm-hmm. actually. And, uh, and, and, and just thinking about the fact of that he keeps us in his womb, that's his compassion. He keeps us, engraves us on his hand and keeps yes. us in those places. Yeah. Um, it's just a beautiful reality to me and thinking about how yes. then kind of what you're talking about, how then do I yeah. keep, have compassion for people, you know, like that's kind of why I want to pray for these families that we met. Cause I don't want them to just be these, uh, a tourism yeah. of poverty that I went on, but I want that's to right. actually care for those families. Yeah. I want to remember those faces. And yes, there's this little boy named Mikael who, um, his dad had just died and uh, only had his mom and um, they're working for $6 a week, you know, and, Mm. um, you know, and uh, they asked her, you know, and she's had, had cancer, but she's working in the sweatshop, you know, to try to make money and tin house mud floors. And, um, and uh, I watched his little face. He's about 11 years old. And um, the, 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 the the interpreter asked the mom, you know, uh, so do you have a husband? And she goes, no, he just recently died. And, I just saw the pain, anger, sadness all simultaneously on this little boy's face. And I just, my heart was like, oh, yeah. this poor kid. I, not only do I want to support him, but like how I want to pr- carry him in my heart. I yeah. want to have yes. compassion on him and, yes. and carry him in my heart because I, I, want that, I want that boy to not just find Jesus. I want him to find Jesus. I want him to find also on top of that a, a life, you know, that's, yeah. that's a that God has meant for him, you know, and that's worth living. So, so segueing a tiny bit here towards the end, if you could just, you know, I, and, and this is a, whenever I ask this question, somebody always goes, well, I can only answer for myself. And, and that's what I'm asking. Cause I I do think that we're all different parts of the same body 
And so therefore we all see things and have different revelations that are different from everybody else. And so I like yes. to hear what those are. Um, what, uh, what, what do you feel like the Lord is saying to the church in the West right now? Like if, if you did just assess kind of the time we're in, yeah. what do you think God is saying to the church in the West? I know that's a big question. (laughs) Yeah, so I think that uh, to be people of the kingdom of heaven, I think that, you know, from my sort of like point of view, that's tied in with the the Sermon on the Mount and the the Beatitudes and stuff like that. But also, you know, uh, to be, if we're people of the kingdom of heaven, then we're known by our love, and I don't uh, I don't see a lot of that on uh, if I can say this Christian Twitter, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of uh, judgment and accusations and comments, and I'm guilty of that too. Opinions. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, I, I I guess to be people of the kingdom of heaven, like what does that mean? Um, I think also something that I'm thinking about at the minute is that what has my awe has my worship like what has my attention what has my focus what has my obsession it has my it that has my worship and so you know i was joking the other day and i I don't mind saying this but i i i said i've got a good idea for a new t-shirt and they were like oh what's that i said man should not live by phone alone (laughs) That's good. <laughs> oh, it's so, so true, though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and um, uh, uh, so I, I've been trying to learn how to communicate better, right? And uh-huh. so I've been doing a masterclass. Yeah. And the guy that runs this masterclass talks about that the way we communicate is a direct reflection of the five people we spend most time with. Mm. And so... I am, uh, I'm doing two things, uh, to try and spend more time with God. Right. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is going to sound so self-righteous cause I, it, yeah. but I, I, I really am hungry and thirsty for this. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to read more, trying to read, uh, my Bible more. I'm doing a, I'm going through, a uh, an Advent book, uh, that by Brian Zahn called the anticipated Christ. And, um, I'm also, uh, I, whenever I remember, I wish I could say I do this every day, but, um, I pray through the Beatitudes and I literally just kind of say them like in conversation with God. And then I'll go through the Lord's prayer and, um, you know, when it says your kingdom come, I, I always find myself with my hand on my chest like your kingdom come through me, you know, like or through me today, you know, like um, I, the reason I pray the Beatitudes is because I would like that to be my posture, yeah. um, you know, to be very open-handed, being present to the presence of God and the, the, the presence of others who are perhaps poor in spirit or mourning or, you know, where it, that gives me an opportunity to be a carrier. So, that might sound very kind of highfalutin, but that is an honest uh, um, 
that, that that's honestly what I'm thinking about at the minute and what I'm trying to do uh, yeah. it to seek first the kingdom yeah. um, amidst all the other really selfish things that I do and flawed things, you know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm really encouraged by uh, the Merton prayer, Thomas Merton, when he yes. said the desire to please you does in fact please you, you know, yes. and yeah. I, I hope I have that desire in me, you know, uh, t- till the day I die. Yeah. Again, that's my paraphrase. But um, the I and I think that ties in with blessed are the hung, hungry and thirsty for righteousness yeah. and justice, yeah. Um, yeah. because it's in the act of being hungry and thirsty for righteousness that you are blessed. It's not yeah. necessarily when you see the result of it. Um, yeah. So I desire myself to live more in line with the kingdom of heaven in the sermon on the mount that jesus talks about and uh and i'm trying to find some practices that go that i heard this great one actually um someone that was leading a retreat and it was on a podcast and i and they they would breathe in and kind of say you know in their mind your kingdom come as they breathe in real slow your kingdom come and then breathe out and say my kingdom go oh that's good your kingdom come yeah my kingdom go and uh you know a little meditation and Mm. um yeah so like the uh those three things that little meditation praying the beatitudes praying the sermon the the lord's prayer personally um and uh um and being aware of what has my awe and my attention and my focus has my worship yeah i uh, those are those are beautiful i think uh i think we need more of that yeah all over um Stu, you're a wonderful man Thank yeah you for oh my doing. gosh <laughs> you're so wonderful. i should bring just... my wife down <laughs> No, I'm just Same. listening to you and yes, actually. <laughs> I'm listening to you and I'm just like, man, Lord, you're doing it. Like you're you're bringing out like sometimes I ask I'm just like, Lord, how are you going to fulfill the first and second commandment in your people? And I think you're an example of the Lord doing it and you've been doing it for years and I'm thankful that my generation has people like you to look up to and go, okay, oh. if he can stay steady, we can stay steady in the midst of everything going on. And so please keep doing what you're doing. I'm so excited for people to experience your beatitude project. And I know Zach will put links and people can reach out. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And get that out to you guys. And so you're wonderful. And I'm so glad I got a chance to meet you. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. I'm glad I got a chance to meet you and, uh, and, and, talk a lot (laughs) (laughs) no it's good i'm glad you did man uh, i'm sure our paths will cross again here yeah uh, i can't wait um, yeah i i also have promised you next time you're in uh, kc i i have the best places to take you for barbecue do you know what you know so we were in kc and i'm sorry that i that i forgot that you were in kc so that's one thing my apologies yeah um but um uh i didn't have barbecue while we were there Wow. Oh, so, uh, so that's at least that's one good thing about yeah. not meeting up with you or, or remembering that you were in <laughs> Kansas City because yeah. when I come again, I'm actually coming in January 
to the uh, conference that Justin. Yeah, Justin on. Rizzo's conference. Yeah, the uh, creative conference. Creative conference. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's uh, that's something worth checking out too. Yeah. So um, I'm hopefully going to be around for two or three days. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, you got my number. We'll we'll get together yeah. and and uh, and I'm going to blow your mind with barbecue. So. <laughs> right. I would love that. Uh, it'd be amazing. So yeah. well, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, uh, like uh, Julia said, I'll have links in the show notes uh, for the Beatitudes Project. Thank you. And uh, what a wonderful time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great to be with you.